Hey, welcome back to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez, and today we are in part 14 of our verse-by-verse series through the book of Galatians, and we are looking at what it means to fulfill the law of Christ. This is very important, so I really encourage you to take notes while you watch today's video. This sermon series is called No Other Gospel. We have a playlist on YouTube, so if you want to catch up on the messages that you've missed, you can find it there. Make sure that you like, comment, and share today's video. That helps us get in front of new viewers. And if you're a new viewer, or maybe you've been here for a while, make sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so you stay in the loop every time that we post a video. It's always my prayer that these messages are a blessing to you. Enjoy. and go to the book of Galatians. We've really got this message and one more, uh, especially as we're um, coming to a close here. I think it's important to realize that what Paul has is transitioned into teaching here is that grace is not only satisfactory for salvation, but it's also satisfactory for our service. And it's important to recognize that we're going to grow by grace. Okay, We're not going to grow by some weird, mysterious way. Uh, There's a theory out there right now that says this is how you grow. You just remember that you're dead in Christ, and you repeat the gospel to yourself. Okay, that sounds good, but it doesn't work. Uh, What that actually leads to is no growth. Okay, I want you to imagine uh, from this day for the rest of your life, every day you wake up and you say, I'm born, and I have been born physically. And that's all you do. You don't take care of your body. You don't eat or drink. You don't get up. Uh, How long is it going to be before you're done? Uh, It's going to be about a month, and then you'll be out of here. And we don't live that way. We take care of our bodies. We are supposed to exercise. (laughs) We're supposed to exert ourselves and, and take care of ourselves, and that's how we can continue in good health. It's the same way with our spiritual life. We would be silly to think, that all we have to do is kind of like a mantra. We just repeat a trance-like statement to ourselves over and over and over, and and that's how God is going to help us grow. No, repeating the truth to yourself is not how you grow. You grow by fulfilling what God has told you to do, and you grow by manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. And what that means is, as you are continually walking in the Spirit— you're going to have that fruit come. Now, when people hear that, they like to say, whoa, that, that, are you saying evidence for salvation? I'm not saying evidence for salvation. I'm saying evidence for growth. We can see if a person is growing or not. How are they doing with the fruit of the Spirit? As we studied last week, we looked at each one of those in detail, and we came to the conclusion that these are the things that we're supposed to work on as we grow with the Lord. And that is exactly what it is. It requires labor. It requires you to sacrifice what you would do in the flesh and you walk in the Spirit. This just came to my mind here, but we're very close to this reference. Hold your place in Galatians, but look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For those who say, well, you know, walking in the Spirit is no work. It's just going to happen. We know that that can't be true. Paul also wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. Look there in chapter 15 in verse 58. We're on page 1228, if you have a church Bible or a Schofield Bible. Look what he says there in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, we, we can't explain that phrase, work, in the, work of the Lord, without putting in work. Okay, it's not the work of repeating something to ourselves. Okay? This is actually doing something. This is, I would, I would contest, there are four basic things in which we should constantly be growing in as a believer. The first thing is our prayer life. We should be training ourselves, disciplining ourselves after a model of prayer. The second thing we should be working towards is a better understanding of the scriptures. You see how much knowledge we were able to extract from just the first part of Gideon's story? We've done a two-week study on that. We've got two more weeks to go. There's so much to learn from Israel's decisions, from Gideon's responses, and as you continually discipline yourself to the study of God's word, you're putting in work, and that labor, it's not in vain. Okay? We'd be silly to think we just sit crisscross applesauce in our houses and have our Bibles open, and we repeat some type of trance, and we expect something to happen with the connection between the Bible being open and us repeating a phrase. That's Eastern mysticism, okay? and, and that's not what Christianity is about. Uh, Christianity is, is not about weird, unexplainable things. Does God work in mysterious ways? Absolutely. But I like to put it this way. Pray and then put legs on your prayers. Okay? If you are praying for something to happen, be in a position in which God can use you for that thing to come about. The third thing that we should be growing in as a believer is fellowship with like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ. I was talking to someone after church today, and we were going through some very good points. And one of the things I, I discussed in passing of our conversation was, church is not about only fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not about, you know, all the, the fun stuff. And I'm not saying the other stuff is not fun, but do you understand what I'm saying? A lot of churches are getting this part correct. There's a lot of fellowship. You know, there's a lot of, oh, we're just hanging out, and we're just having fun, and there's a place to do it here, and there's a place to do it there. And, but when it actually comes to the real part of church, which is to get the lost in, not a lot of people are ready to do that. Not a lot of people are ready to bring in somebody that is unchurched, that is, they're not saved, and help them understand the gospel to the point where they get saved and they can become a part of the body of Christ. Learning, disciplining yourself as you listen. I've said this a hundred times probably, that as we are listening to preaching, we should be taking notes, we should be paying attention, we should be applying these things so that we can go back later and see as the Holy Spirit has prepared me for this evening, what can I glean from this passage? What can I glean from this excerpt in the scripture? And then it's also about service. How can I get involved? How can I get plugged in? Oh, well, I'm just, you know, monitoring at the dunk tank station. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it as, I, I get to work at the dunk tank station. What kind of funny lines am I going to say when I'm in there? I'm already getting that ready. You know, it's going to be saucy. This guy's going to be like, man, this guy... He's really, uh, you know, egging me on. Yeah, put me in the tank. You know, or I could just be like, oh, <laughs> good shot. <laughs> you know, lifeless and, and not excited. And unfortunately, a lot of people do serve the Lord that way. But coming to church is more than just, oh, it's so good to see you. And it, that is a part of it. But it's getting involved and it's bringing people into the ministry. 
so they can hear the gospel. And then the fourth thing, talked about prayer, Bible study, fellowship, and then the fourth thing is evangelizing. It's learning how to get people that would probably not come to church that you may never see again. It's learning how to get them under the sounds of the gospel. We have something that the old, that uh, the people in the Bible days, they, they didn't have to deal with this. We have a lot of people that live where we live. This is a huge city, is it not? And it's relatively small compared to other cities. But you, you have probably seen somebody that you'll never see again. You probably ha- that probably happened to you several times this week. Next time you can, go to a Costco on a Friday and see how many people are there. Just find a, find a spot to just watch how many people come and go. You rarely see the same person twice. In, in the Bible times, there were more tight communities, and there was an opportunity to really get the truth out ra- rather quickly, get people saved, and then they grew, and they grew and went into other places, were persecuted, and they were uh, scattered. What, you know, port cities like uh, Corinth, like we're talking about here, there's probably a ton of people going in and out of there, but we don't know how many people we run into we'll never see again. That's why being prepared with literature or conversation starters, being willing to get to the gospel, it's important that maybe the first, that maybe the only time you see that person. I think that's the fourth part of our, our growth, our work in the Lord. And we don't do that in vain because God's going to reward you for that. You have everything that you need with your eternal life. There's no question about that. But there's a wonderful opportunity to enjoy more than that by working for the Lord. We're not working for a company. We're not working for someone who's going to uh, treat us unfairly. He's going to give you exactly what you earn. Okay, that is motivating to me because I don't have to have a check and balance when it comes to God. He's got it all. He understands, and I know he'll reward me accordingly. But as this verse says, as we work for the Lord, we're supposed to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. In that work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We don't do it for nothing. God is going to reward us, and I believe he's going to reward us well. Okay? So let's just go back to Galatians. I I wanted to, that came to my mind because what we're going to talk about here is Paul has now shifted from grace, which is sufficient for eternal life, in light of the law. He's now going to go into some things that Christians have in the realm of responsibility. Uh, this may sound surprising to you, but we still have laws to follow. Okay, Being delivered from the law, the Mosaic law, does not mean that we are now lawless. Okay? That belief is called antinomianism. Big word, simple definition. Lawless. Anti, which is against, nomianism. Law, structure. Okay? I don't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that. We're not to live a lawless life, doing whatever we want, whenever we want. Well, you can't tell me what to do because I'm under grace. Okay? We do have clear instructions of how we're supposed to treat one another and treat the lost. If you really want to put things into two categories, those are the two categories. How do we treat our fellow believer, and how do we treat the lost man? And then, of course, how do we treat the Lord? So you got these three things that we're supposed to be looking at. When it comes to the believer who is now saved by grace, they're kept by grace, they're going to grow as they are responsible with the grace that they've been given. Did you understand that connection there? We're going to grow as we are responsible to that grace that we've been given, okay? 
Imagine if you were to give a young child total control over a large property. <laughs> How quickly would it be before that property gets out of control? Okay? Uh, I'm not, I didn't grow up on a big property. Uh, uh, I don't understand all those things, but I know from friends that I have in Georgia who own pieces of property, it is upkeep. It's not like, oh, well, you know, you weed stuff out and you take out all the, the vines and the kudzu and all that stuff, and it's just, it's going to stay that way forever. It will continue to come back, and you've got to take care of it. You've got to cut it back. You've got to tend to the areas where it's thicker, where it's less, and you can put things in place to kind of stunt that growth, but it's only going to take a matter of time until it's overgrown. So I believe that as you grow, God will give you property according to what you can actually do at that time. The more responsible you are with what he gives you, he gives you more. You guys know that Golden Corral out here on Hillsboro? It's been closed since the pandemic. I know a lot of people probably lost their, their stable jobs there, but if I'm honest with you, I had an experience at that Golden Corral where I thought, not going to be long. Not going to be long until this place is gone. <laughs> but if you look at it now, it's like a jungle, right? All the little uh, medians there that separated the parking areas, they're overgrown. It's been tagged with graffiti. They've had to put up plywood so that the windows that were broken in didn't bring in more pest and growth. That is an overgrown property. Okay, you look at just across the way, Village Inn, all right, I, it, it's Village Inn, but it's also like upkept. There's, you know, there's not grass growing everywhere and all that kind of stuff. It'd be the same problem if we had it back here. It's very hard to cut the back of the property because it's just sloped weird. And it can get to the point where it's just overgrowing back there and our lawn guys have a hard job. Okay? That is, an, that is a sign that the property's not being taken care of well. Okay? And it could be the same way with what God has given to you. Is there a lot of overgrowth? Is there a lot of areas that are not maintained? Okay? You have responsibilities in those areas. It would be unwise for me to say, no, just live as you please. Let the property grow out of, out of proportion because, well, God, you know, it's, it's all grace, man. You know, <laughs> we're all cool. That kind of theology swept through Florida Bible College because I talked to Dr. Arnold about this and they called it spacey gracie. Okay, now that sounds funny, but it was actually quite difficult because a lot of students were starting to think of in this line of thought. Should I do anything out of my own strength? What should I actually, at what point am I actually acting in my flesh? They became constricted by the idea of freedom. Isn't that ironic? Isn't it ironic that the devil pitches this idea that says, do whatever you want, you know, oh, we're all under grace, it's all good. But now you start to, because you see clear places in Scripture where it doesn't teach that, you think, well, I'm not under the law. I can't be under the law. I've been delivered from the law. There's Bible verses that say so. Yes, you've been delivered from the Mosaic law, which was designed to show you who you are. You've been delivered from that, and now there are responsibilities that you have in this life of grace. The beauty of it is, regardless of how you respond to those, it doesn't change what you're under. You're always under grace. However, how you respond is how you're going to be rewarded. It's a very simple premise that becomes so twisted and maligned with the spiritual wickedness in high places. Exclusively right now, these things are happening online. Boy, people get a username and password and they get an account and they get into some trouble. 
I'm talking trouble in the way that they think and perceive the scriptures. So, the responsibilities we're going to see tonight are responsibilities that you and I have, not just the people in which Paul was writing to. But look what he says there in verse 25 of chapter 5. We do need to backtrack just a little bit to set the stage here. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and being one another. A lot of young men get caught up in this, okay? They understand the gospel. They understand how serious sin is. But they provoke one another and separate one another because they want to be lifted up. The attitude that you and I should possess as believers is not, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's look at him, look at him, look at him. And the way that you do that is you humble yourself. You know what probably that means for the young men that want to just spout off at the mouth every time they have the opportunity? You should probably close that thing. You should probably close it. And if you're quick to use it, there's, there's some Bible verses for you. <laughs> how about using these, our ears? And how about using these, our eyes? And if we do spout off at the mouth and we're ready to talk about something, let us talk to the Lord about it first or see what the Scripture says about what we're going to say. But this is how a lot of doctrinal error starts. And it is rampant. I know some great people that are great, clear Bible teachers. And I don't know them personally, but I know of them. And they trip up on some stuff. They open their mouths and say some things, and it's like, you are, you're, you're out of what the Scripture says there. They're quick to, to kick people out of their online groups, their churches. They're quick to condemn them as unbelievers when those people are delivered by the blood of Jesus just because they have a disagreement with the leader. Hello, are you with me? That's a sign that something's not going correct. When a brother has a fault, here is how we are supposed to respond. We are supposed to mend. We're going to look at that word that is used in chapter 6 and verse 1. Look at it here. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore. Okay? Restore. This does not mean uh, simply place. This has the idea of mending. It is like taking a garment that has experienced a rip and you mend it back together so that it can be used again. It is a bone that is out of socket being placed back into its proper setting. So you understand the idea is we're not walking around as believers with a whip ready to beat somebody into submission. Instead, we're walking around with a medical bag with gauze, with neosporin, with a band-aid. We're ready to help somebody who has been wounded, who has experienced a difficult time because of their sin. They're overtaken in a fault. And there's a way and a mindset in which we are to do this. Look what it says. Bear ye, or excuse me, uh, the end of verse 1 there, restore such a one in the spirit of strength. Is that what it says? Is there anybody here tonight? That's not what it says. It says, in the spirit of meekness. I heard a great definition for this in Bible college. I've actually heard two. The one I'll give you here is my favorite one. It is strength held in reserve. Okay? You have the ability, but it is tamed. 
All right? The other one is, as an example of strength held in reserve, it is tossing velvet-covered bricks. Now, when you think of that for a moment, you think about a brick, it's got hard edges, it's heavy. All right? If you were to toss a brick at someone and they're not prepared, it's going <laughs> to smack them and scrape them, and maybe they would even get hurt a little bit. We're not doing that as believers, walking around with bricks like, hey, Armando, let me help you, brother. Boom, right in the face. Praying for you. Is that helping him? It, that is hurting him. And you know who that elevates? That elevates me, because I'm the one that threw the brick. Ooh, look at that. Jesse really lowered the boom on Armando earlier. Poor Armando. He's like, how did I get wrapped into this? This illustration. I don't know, brother. But a velvet-covered brick, it, it still lands and it has weight, but it's not cutting up and bruising somebody. It's strength held in reserve. If my goal is to restore a brother, then I'm not going to break them down further than what they already are. Okay? The Lord does a good job of that on his own. Amen? He does exactly what needs to be done for you to wake up and realize. But it's just like our body. When you get a cut, you Google this and see how, about how the body heals itself. The cells mend together and the blood clots and you have a, over the process of time, if you leave it alone, it heals. And many surface level cuts are just that. They don't stay on your body. But even with like a scar, and I have a couple scars on my hands when I went through a window as a kid. I put my hand through a window. I'm sure my uncle remembers that story. <laughs> I broke a window at the house and got another cut here from that same situation. But I have a scar, but it's healed. I, I can touch that and there's, there's no pain at all. The body did that. It came together and, and mended. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. We're supposed to come together with one another and it may be a process, but we heal. We restore Okay? In the spirit of meekness, also with that spirit of meekness, we're supposed to have this attitude considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. There is nobody here who, myself included, as the pastor, there's nobody here who can come to somebody and judge them from the, from the attitude of, I've never done that before. I've been tempted in the same way that person has been tempted. And so have you. And if we're not careful, we start lifting ourselves up. We start saying, oh, wow, he never does anything wrong. I, I don't act like those other people. I'm, I'm perfect in every way. Before you know it, I can't fit through the, through the doorway because my head is so big. You know, I'm having to duck down like, whoa, well, excuse me. Got to be careful. The attitude in which we are supposed to restore a brother that is overtaken in a fault is with meekness and with humility, considering yourself. Considering yourself. Verse 2. So not only is there one responsibility there, we're supposed to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, but also we need to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does it mean there by fulfilling the law of Christ? That's a good question. I want you to just briefly um, follow my, my train of thought here. When we understand what is required under grace, we understand that the whole law is fulfilled in this, that we love God and we love our neighbor. That we love God and we love our neighbor. Love is not simply something that we say, oh, I love you. It's not... Love is not shown in the, the 
phrasing of the word, love is shown in action. The best verse I can give to illustrate that is Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. He demonstrated that love for us by, by sending Jesus to die on the cross. Okay, that was an action that showed. How can we do that for one another? As we restore when people fall, we bring them back into right fellowship. That's not with an attitude of begrudging. I can't believe we have to do this for this person. That's with an attitude of meekness, considering yourself, and it's ultimately love, so we can bear one another's burdens. You know when we bear one another's burdens here at Calvary? Wednesday nights. You hear what people are going through, difficulties, problems, and you pray for those people. It doesn't mean we all get in a pity party and we fall on the floor and cry as if there's never a solution. We encourage one another. We strengthen one another. This is why I disagree with the Christian idea that I don't need church. Church is, a, church is, church is just a bunch of uh, uh, hypocrites getting together. Oh, yeah, and you come in and you're not a hypocrite either. So thankful for you. No, we're not supposed to be Lone Ranger Christians just out there doing whatever we want, however we please. We're supposed to fellowship, supposed to encourage one another. Can you imagine if your hand just decided, I'm done with the arm, and did its own thing? Or your pinky? Or your big toe? It's just a big toe, but get it removed, and, and, and we'll see how well you can balance. It's a big part of what's going on with the body. We're all, every single one of you here tonight, and those of you who are on the internet as well, you've got a purpose in this body, and it's up to you to find out what it is. And as you find out what it is, you exercise it, and that part of you becomes stronger, and as a whole, the body of Christ benefits that love, when it says, and so fulfill the law, the law of Christ, is to love one another. And right here, an example of doing that is we bear one another's burdens. We bear them, not begrudgingly, not like, oh, this is so heavy. But compared to what we had without Jesus, our burden is light, amen? Very light. All the problems that we face here on earth are temporary because we have eternal life. So as it says here, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. If you think that you've arrived when in actuality you have not, guess what? You're only deceiving yourself. And then it extends to the people that are following you. And that's exactly what was happening in the regions of Galatia. Here come these Judaizers. They're walking in. They look good. They smell good. They act nice. They're doing all the things that, oh, wow, this is impressive. But then they teach a false gospel. They're not even a part of the body of Christ. And as Romans says, those people, turn them right around and get them out. We're not going to entertain all of that. You get them out. Mark and avoid those which teach doctrines that are contrary to what you've been taught in the Scripture. If they're not willing to receive the gospel, then they need to be sent off. But the people that they deceived who are already in the body of Christ, restore them, bring them back into that proper fellowship, bear their burdens, and we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Don't get lifted up in your own status, your own stature, and say, well, I, I'm so good because of this. I, I want to talk about this for a moment. We, we looked over it, but I, I think this is important. Talking about gossip, right? Bear you one another's burdens, because this happens a lot. This happens a lot. It's, it, it happens everywhere in every church, 
And no doubt, I'm sure it, it's, it's happened here at Calvary. Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 18. Just hold your spot in Galatians, and we're going to go to the book of Matthew in chapter 18. Jesus is giving some instructions here. And I want you to know this because, listen, I didn't know this. When I was growing in my walk, there were people who would come to me and they would tell me things about other people who were not present. And I, for some reason, thought that that was me being able to, oh, I can, I can pray for them better. But what it actually turned into was gossip. It turned into backstabbing. I'll tell you what I tell people who serve in the ministry here. If you ever hear something negative about somebody that's not present, you can shut it down right there by applying what this verse says. You can, you can do that very easily. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him. Hello. Alone. Sometimes people get confused with that. They think me and him in an email to other people without him on it. <laughs> have to be careful with these types of things. Bearing one another's burdens is not airing dirty laundry. And th those things don't go together. And if someone has done something wrong to you, go to them. Go to them first. There were several years ago, a situation happened where that's exactly what I had to do. I came across some information. It seemed to have proof. I went to the person. And I said, did this happen? No. Okay, I'm going to ask again because here's what I heard. Did this happen? No. I already knew that it did. So I asked one more time and I said, please, my intent is not to drag you down or hurt you in any way. I, I want to help you. Did this happen? Yes. And I, we got it together between the two of us right there. Unfortunately, the pattern of discipline was not followed by the individual, and they had to receive more discipline from the church. And this is just how things went. But it would have been wrong if I talked to everybody else, and then I come to that person with all this power and authority and say, confess it to everybody, because we all know now. I'm supposed to go to that person privately and speak with them alone. If he shall hear thee, look what Jesus says here, thou hast gained thy brother. There's more respect there. You know, the intent is not to tear down other believers. Paul says later, uh, Jesus said this before Paul. This is when Paul was Saul. Paul says later, after he had spoken with Jesus at length, we need to restore people that are caught up in a fault. How can we do that if we're talking about them behind their backs? Folks, it's just the way it is. There's a pattern to these things. Jesus lays it out clearly. But, verse 16, if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. What that means is there's a record. So it's not, well, we were in a conversation, just the two of us, and he said this, and he said this, and who knows, because it's just the two of you. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, the called out assembly. But if he neglect, uh, neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and as a publican. So what he's saying here to the audience 
is as you go through these levels of discipline, there's an expectation for that person to respond. And if they don't want to respond, and it always has to do with sin. It's always got to do with sin. If they want to continue in their sin, then we go to the 1 Corinthians 5 route and we say, get them out of the church. It's better if that person were absent from their body and present with the Lord at that point. That's some strong stuff, but look, that's the way it heals. Okay? And we have to understand, as believers, how we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. It's not talking about those person's problems when they're not there. Or if they did something wrong to you, talking to everyone in the church before you talk to them. You know how much damage that does? There's already enough spiritual wickedness going on. We don't need to be involved in the making of that. (laughs) We need to avoid that. Now look what it says in chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6. We're wrapping up here with these last two verses. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. So this also goes against the idea that we're all supposed to grow as a collective. Okay, We're supposed to grow individually, and we do that with one another. Okay, So I can't tag along. Let's just, Robert and Trent are sitting right there. I can't tag along to their growth and say, oh, I'm growing too. Because the three of us are not going to be judged together. He, these two men will stand before the Lord by themselves and give an account for what they've done. I can't simply join to it and say, I'm growing because I'm their friend. That's not how that works. Look what this says. Let every man prove his own work. You demonstrate your own growth by the things that you do. And then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. This happens a lot with big-time preachers. Big-time preachers. The people who follow them, they think, I'm partaking in a part of what they're doing because I'm simply following them. A lot of name-it-claim-it pastors are this way. I keep hearing this phrase, phrase amongst people my age, uh, I'm going to manifest it. I'm, I'm going to bring this to pass because I'm going to manifest it because somebody told me it was going to happen. It, it, it doesn't work that way. If you want to see something done, you need to work for it. And that's either by prayer, by getting out there and getting things done. We can't just expect things to happen because somebody said they would. Verse 5 here. For every man shall bear his own burden. You're going to go through your own set of problems. We all are. It's a function of the church and responsibility of the believers to come alongside one another, but know that you'll have your own issues as well. And that's not a sign that things are going poorly. I think the more burdens that you're able to take off of yourself and cast before the Lord, as it tells us in 1 Peter... You're growing. The Lord is giving you more responsibility. The things that we do here around Calvary Community Church, they don't just happen. It takes work. I mentioned when we were praying about the studio. The the studio is, we've got one more bookshelf that we've got to get and get it all staged. But outside of that, tomorrow when Trent gets here and when I'm here, we're going to record in that studio that we've been looking forward to for like over a year now. It's, it's been exciting, and it's taken a lot of work. 
Somebody had to, we had to take the old bookshelves out and we had to get the drywall repaired and we had to paint and texture and hang the logo and all that stuff. And stay, if you've ever looked at a, at a set, um, a set is not just like a wall. There's a lot of stuff going on, lighting and all that stuff. I mean, we spent like two hours, I'm just sitting at the table doing my work and poor Trent is like moving a light a little bit this way, looking at it. That doesn't work. He moves it back and then he moves another light and that's all a part of the process. It's work. And those can be burdens. One day we just decided in the middle of our work, we were like, we have to go get this lighting correct. So we drove and we took two hours out of our day to drive all the way off uh, out there by Fowler to talk to a guy in which we had no idea what we were doing. We were just asking, this is what we're trying to do. And it worked. But that set us both back in our time. Oh, that's just, that's just terrible. No, we understand this is how things go. And we're excited because we're not just building another studio for another radio show. The gospel's going to come out of those, out of that hall. People are going to get saved because of what's recorded in there. I believe that, because we're teaching the gospel. I'll tell you this story here, and then, then we'll wrap up. Just It's in line with that studio. Michael Brown, you guys know Michael Brown. Um, he was talking to somebody at a gas station on Friday, and this was after the Bible line video posted, and we talked about does... Uh, suicide take a person you know, away from God and do, do they end up going to hell that way and a lot of people believe that that is true because that's what the Catholic Church has taught and it's prevailed in a lot of different religions it carries through but the Bible teaches that once you put your faith in Christ nothing can separate you Okay, even the event of taking your own life so Michael's talking to an individual about the gospel and she gets to the part about you know can you do anything to lose it and she says well you know if I take myself out of this world. I, I, I could. And he pulls up that Bible line video that's fresh. I mean like two hours fresh and plays it. And she's like, really? Is that, is that really true? And he's like, yeah, it's all Bible. And she says, she says, I kid you not. She goes, what if I stop believing? <laughs> scroll, scroll, scroll. There's a video for that too. Wow, this is really good stuff. I'm, I'm really learning a lot. Does it work? Yeah, it works. It's stuff that you and I, as mature believers, we know these things, but there's a lot of people who don't know it, and they can benefit from it. And all the responsibility that comes from that is a burden at the time, but we're able to properly manage it because we know it's work that's not in vain. Okay? If you're trying to live a life, and you're trying to say, I don't want to be burdened, and I don't want to have problems well, then you're not going to grow. You're going to be left out when it comes to the Lord doing great things. And I don't want that for you. It's been the greatest joy of my life to serve the Lord. Lord willing, we'll be able to adopt a child. Okay, I didn't make that happen. I believe God is setting things up for me and Kyla to Walk through that door. You know how many people we've been able to impact by just telling our story alone? We don't even have the child yet. I was talking to my neighbor who's applying to be a police officer. And I talked to him at length and talked to him about the gospel and all that. And, and we got to children. I asked him if he had any children. And he and his wife were kind of at odds about that. Don't know what for, but they were. And I told him about adoption. I said, you know, my wife and I, we're not able to have children of our own, and we're excited. We're in the process of adoption. It's a miracle how that came to pass. We were looking at foster care. 
And I look at my neighbor, and he's looking away from me, and he has tears coming down his eyes. And I'm like, in that moment, I thought, Lord, if there was one reason why we were supposed to adopt, it's to reach this man about something. Talk to him at length about some personal issues. That's my neighbor. That this God opened this door back in January. Here we are in July. By the way, we applied to a situation. Let me just tell you, 68 other people did too. <laughs> Quite interesting. And the deadline is tomorrow at noon. So just be praying about that. Because if it's the Lord's will, we, we know that it'll come to pass. But uh, isn't that amazing to see for one child... There's probably 70-plus families that would take that baby. Don't believe the lie that, oh, well, people don't care when the baby's uh, been born. They do. There are a lot of people that will take children um, that would rather be sent off, if you understand what I'm saying there. But the Lord is, it's been the greatest joy of my life to serve Him. I've seen so many things come to pass. It's wonderful. And to see other people serve the Lord, and God does things for them too because they are his child, and he is their father, and he will take care of them. It's wonderful. Every time they talk about Friday night soul winning, um, I'm excited about that. How many people are coming to faith in Christ because some faithful people from here are going out and sharing the gospel? Getting ready, to, Louis getting ready to go to Costa Rica. I don't think we understand how 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 much of an opportunity that trip presents. Literally, people are receiving medical care that they need. It's, it's a dire situation. And then the next person they talk to is somebody like Louie, who gets them under the sounds of the gospel and they get saved. The medication's going to wear off, it's going to run out, the body will die. But that message is the most important thing that person can hear. And that, they're going to hear that for how long are you there, Louie? A whole week? A whole week. And he, he'll work a lot of hours. But is it worth it? Yeah. Does it come with a lot of burdens? Ask Louie. I'm sure it does. But we don't look at him as big, heavy, clunky things. That's because he's working for the Lord. He wants to get something done. Can you imagine if Louie was like, you can close your Bibles. Can you imagine if Louie was like, I'm going to go to Costa Rica, and then he just sits in his room and repeats to himself, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a ch Louie, do you have your passport? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child... What is that? Louis, um, are you, have you bought your ticket? <laughs> I'm a child of God. Okay, we all know that. What are you going to do about it? You understand? It's a very deceptive teaching that's out there right now. Be careful. You'll probably run into it. It's kind of come over us right now, and it's like a little rainstorm. It's getting a little heavy, but it's, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. You know why it's going to pass? Because we're going to keep serving the Lord. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time making response videos and hours and hours worth of stuff. Teach the Word, let the Word do what it's been doing, and keep on teaching the Word. That's it. That's all that we need to continue to do. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me show you the gospel illustration here, the best news in all the world. This hand represents you and me. My wallet represents sin. I put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God loves us, but He hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from Him. In order to get to heaven, we have to be perfect. We have to be just like God, and we all fall short. That's why the Bible calls us sinners. If we were to die with our sin, we'd have to spend an eternity in hell forever separated from Him. There are people that died today that are there. And we can share the gospel with those individuals. We need to be ready.
But if you're here tonight and you don't know where you're going to go and, and you're trusting in yourself to get to heaven, the Bible says that uh, it's not of good works, not of any kind of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is a free gift from God. What is the free gift? This hand will represent reverently Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. And what Jesus did for us was he took that sin, laid it upon himself. He died on that cross, was buried, and he rose again three days later. The payment for sin was complete. He said to Nicodemus in that garden in the dead of night, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have temporary life. That's not what he says. Everlasting life. And that is exactly what you receive the moment that you believe on Jesus Christ's finished work for your sin. That is the best news in all the world. One of the things I'm excited about in regards to going back to Israel is witnessing. That is such a special thing. On that boat, when we were in Galilee, it was very moving. I get emotional thinking about it now. It's very moving. But I kind of separated myself from that emotion for a second, and I talked to a guy that was sitting there. He wasn't a part of our tour. And I explained to him the man who was on this ocean and what this, uh, on this sea and, and, and what that represented and was able to lead that guy to Christ. It was one of the greatest, one of those moments where you're just like, wow, that is so good. And passing out tracts and talking with people that are, are strangers. In the Holocaust Museum, people are very friendly uh, because... It's a, that's a, that's an amazing experience, the Holocaust Museum over there in Israel. It's sobering, especially the memorial to the children. That was just crazy. But you get a chance to talk to people, and you know, there's people from all over the world there. It's not just people in Israel, it's people from all over the world. There's a bunch of tour groups. You can pass out tracts, and you're talking to people, and people are very receptive. They're in the Holy Land. (laughs) If there's ever a time to trust Christ, it's on a trip to Israel. You know what I'm talking about? And just an opportunity to do that, sharing what I just shared with you with somebody, can change their life. But whether it's in Israel or whether it's in lowly Tampa, people need the gospel. They need the Lord. Let's get him. Let's get them to him. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? If you're here tonight, maybe watching on the internet and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, would you do so right now? There's a little button if you're watching on our website. You can click that. You can write us an email or leave a comment on the live streaming platform that you're watching. We'll be more than happy to reach out to you and and talk to you about what you've uh, put your faith in. For everyone here tonight, I want to encourage you to take responsibility for the grace that you've been given, to get busy with work. Uh, As the Bible, we're going to look at this next week, but don't be weary in that well-doing. Be encouraged. And when people fall away from the Lord, mend them back into fellowship. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Don't just be sitting around waiting for something to happen. Get in position and get ready. Father, thank you so much for your word and what it clearly teaches. I I pray for this back-to-school bash, for our midweek prayer meeting, for the recording session tomorrow. We're just thankful, Lord, that we can do all these things. Let us not get caught up in high-mindedness and and get caught up in all of our talents, but let us get caught up in bringing praise, honor, and glory to you and to you alone. 
In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.